like a bomb hanging in the sky. War seemed to pause, and then, well, and now it is back on. Donald Trump came and gave a speech at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time regarding attacks into Syria, and multiple airstrikes were launched into Syria, and uh, you could see Damascus being lit up in real time, which strikes me more as regime change than any kind of military target. It is a largely civilian city. And the timing is very interesting. There is, of course, no proof that Bashar al-Assad, the leader of Syria, decided to use chemical weapons against women and children on the eve of the U.S. pullout from aiding the rebels, the insurgents, the crazy ISIS-slash-extremists that the U.S. has been inexplicably backing for the past several years. There is no proof. And these attacks against Syria came on the very day that the OPCW were about to begin their investigations into this alleged chemical attack and find out who's responsible. So if you say we know for certain before the investigation has even begun, well, I guess that makes uh, Trump a little bit more regarding Syria as Comey is with Hillary or was with Hillary. Why not wait until the investigation is at least underway, is at least coming up with some preliminary findings before deciding to launch these weapons? Now, it's the uh, U.S., the UK and France who are attacking Syria, and naturally, of course, ISIS has begun attacking the Syrian army in the south. In other words, my guess is that the rebels, ISIS to some degree, of course, that they staged this chemical attack, and therefore they are calling in airstrikes, in a sense, from the US Air Force. I wonder if there's been any other time in American history when Islamic radicals have weaponized U.S. airplanes for their own purposes. These rebels are not Luke, I'll put it that way, certainly not the Founding Fathers. You can find video online of these rebels actually sawing off a little boy's head, which the region is different. The region has had... um, a lot of cousin marriage. They've had a lot of a lot of radical ideology. They've had a lot of trauma. They've had a massive amount of child abuse, and it is not Kansas. It is a very very foreign place, and they're no more going to adapt your lifestyle than you are going to wake up tomorrow and adopt their lifestyle. This gap, this world apart, is something that needs to be truly fathomed. But the U.S. really has had a long distance relationship with war since about World War II certainly with Korea and Vietnam. Vietnam in particular, things were a little bit closer, but it's largely a long-distance relationship. And you know, if you've ever had a long-distance relationship, it's not so bad when you're far apart. If you ever get close together, it can turn into hell. I think that's going to be America's relationship with war. Now, Trump says that this is a warning against the use of chemical weapons, citing World War I. Well, World War I started because... A king took a wrong turn down a street. The king's driver took a wrong turn down a street, and he ended up being blown up by a crazy leftist. So, yeah, little things can spark big conflicts. That apparently is the message about World War I that was lost on President Trump and his advisors, and who now say, well, the entire purpose is to make sure that Assad does not use chemical weapons again. (sighs) Well, according to what they expect you to swallow, of course he's not going to use chemical weapons again. 
at least until the US is about to leave, at which point he will do an entirely useless quasi-military strike on non-military targets in a town that he has completely surrounded and is about to take over. And this is the problem. This is the problem. The, the, the narrative that we're supposed to believe, that we're supposed to accept, is so crazy. It's so random. It's so contradictory. But unfortunately, everything put together piece by piece over the last 100, 150 years, everything is kind of in place. You have a lickspittle, sadistic, blood-sucking mainstream media baying like rabid werewolves at the bombing of a civilian city in Syria because war rips the mask off people. You get to see who they really are when war comes along. Have, been, have they been hiding their feral humanity-eating lycanthropy for many a year until such time as it can come out into the open. You see that very, very clearly. Everything is in place. The population has been dumbed down. The population has been distracted by porn and video games and useless conflicts. And we have an emotionally reactive population that can't analyze, that can't think, that can't reason because government schools have decayed uh, way too many female teachers. We have way too much multiculturalism. When you get a lot of different cultures in a school, when you get a lot of different religions in a school, you can't teach any values. You can't teach any critical thinking because critical thinking leads people to recognize the cult in culture and keeps them away from philosophy, which is the only tool that will actually allow you to analyze and reject all of these false narratives that has, have these hell bombs raining down from the sky. You can't talk about the value of your own history, if you're European. You can't talk about race and IQ and how that knowledge would bring greater humanity into the Middle East. You can't talk about basic facts about geopolitics. You can't talk about the military-industrial complex with most people. They're dumbed down, they're easily distracted, and IQs have been falling. Everything is in place. It's disappointing. No, don't get me wrong. I mean, I talked a lot about Trump, I knew that the hope certainly was not high, but there was some hope that a different kind of individual combined with a courageous and populist movement might be able to bring about some change. Now, still better than Hillary. Still better than Hillary. Now, the Pentagon says that the airstrikes in Syria have ceased. This is just about 10, 20 or so on uh, this uh, this night, the uh, 13th of April, 2018. Maybe it's just they dropped some tomahawks and they're going to move on. We have spanked him and now he runs off to the corner. Maybe. Maybe. I don't genuinely believe that things are going to escalate easily into nuclear war because that's the end of everything and the elites wish to live because they, uh, um, well, they're like vampires. They like their blood. Uh, their blood just happens to be uh, you. And so the hope was not high. The, uh, the, the fact that one man, like the young Chinese dissident in the line of tanks in Tiananmen Square, the fact that, or the idea that one man can stand and stop the entire military-industrial complex, even with all of the alternative media, which now is the anti-war media, since the left has largely failed to step up, the mainstream media is baying their praise at uh, Trump's finger snap human disassembly line. And so 
it is the alternative media that apparently is the only people who care about people in the Middle East not getting bombed these days, uh, to the eternal shame of everyone who hasn't stood up and spoken out about this. But um, the hope was not always particularly great that one man could do it, even with a large movement behind him. But I still have no regrets. I regret nothing for what I have worked on. I regret nothing for what I have advocated for. Uh, this is still better than a terrible situation. And, you know, when you have the gangrene of warlust and the gangrene of statism deep in your system, sometimes you may lose a toe or two, but it's still better than your leg or your life. And this is the compromise that is necessary under the current system. I have little interest in pursuing political advocacy going forward. I don't mind reporting on things. I don't mind pointing out the inevitable disastrous consequences of various policies. But as far as let's go ahead and change things, I uh, did exactly what I told people to do. I did one of my first big hit videos was called The Truth About Voting. And that was 2008, yeah, about 10 years ago. And I said, hey, this is my case against political action, but if you ever believe political action is necessary and you don't accept what it is that I'm saying, give it 150% and that way you'll get closure. That way you'll get closure. That way you'll know. And this, my friends, is kind of what they call closure. Because when it comes to war, you can make the case all you want. You can say no more war. You can scream, you can bellow, you can cry your barbaric york from the rooftops of the world in an attempt to shield falling swords with mere syllables, but it doesn't fundamentally matter. The military-industrial complex has its power because of taxation, because of treasury bills, because of the ability to print, create, and borrow, and tax money. So, once they can draft your money, they don't really care about your free speech. You can rail against that person all you want. But it's like screaming epithets at the guy who's already stolen your car and is halfway down the highway at high speed and you're on foot. I mean, you can yell all you want, but he's already in possession of your car. What does he care? They're already in possession of your money, the money that they need to buy the bombs to blow up the people. And so once they can draft your money, who cares about the rest of it? And this power to draft is foundational, and it will not be relinquished by the state. It's really the essence and foundation of state power. The state exists because people have the delusion that it adds value to a particular transaction, that it creates money, that it gives you money, that it pays for welfare, that it provides free education. It does none of these things. It uh, steals and lies and uh, cheats in general, and that is the basic reality. It's never going to give up that power. It's like asking a vampire to give up blood. It's the only thing that sustains it and gives it the illusion of life. And since the state has gained the power to create money at will and at whim, it has detached its last moorings free from the will of the people. And the will of the people now wanders lost like a madman in an abandoned asylum, bleating for a salvation and a sanity that exist only outside the doors he cannot reach. The state has lost its moorings. It now flies above us, uh, using us as collateral, as pawns in its exercise of power for the sake of power, its exercise in destruction for the sake of destruction, its hatred of the good for being the good. The state has lost its moorings and now flies above us like a sadistic garden. The thought that comes to my mind is 
King Lear's lament on the moor. When he has lost his power, he feels he is going mad. And he understands his relationship to those who have power over us. Spoken in Shakespeare in some of the most concentrated syllables you'll ever find to understand the state of mind, the state of the world, and the state that rules you. King Lear looks at the sky, the rain, the thundercloud, and he says, As flies to wanton boys are we to the gods. They kill us for their sport. <laughs>